Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the hardest things in the whole world to see is somebody who has forgotten how to be disappointed. God made us to hope. As he shaped Adam out of the dust of the ground, it was his intent that Adam would hope in God. Even after the fall into sin, we gravitate towards fairy tales and myths and superstition with such readiness that it, it's almost weird. Like the people who build skyscrapers that are smart enough to make buildings and we trust them enough not to collapse in on us when we stand in them, they still won't put a 13th floor in there for some reason. We are made to hope. We're going to find something to hope in. It's one of the greatest things in the world to watch kids hope and pretend to be things that we have long since given up on. Because hope only ever goes away painfully by having that thing beaten out of you, ground and crushed into nothing. So one of the hardest things in the whole wide world to see is children who aren't disappointed by their parents anymore. Because hope is gone. It's not because they screwed up. It's because they did so, so thoroughly, so consistently, that they don't even expect anything else anymore. See, all of us have these little corners in our heart that are left abandoned, where hope has died. And some's worse than others. Like, I get it. I'm 34 years old at this stage of my life. I will probably not be a ninja slash rock star when I grow up. And it was kind of a bummer to come to that conclusion. But I make a perfectly mediocre pastor and father and husband, and that's all right, because I've kind of come to find all the vocations that I thought would be the most boring are some of the most fulfilling, because the ones that are God-given come with people to love, and that makes them amazing. But when there is nothing left to replace, where hope has died, when it is too important, when it is life and death, that's different. I still don't even want to know how many people have that abandoned little corner in their heart where hope has died to God. And it's not that people don't believe that he exists. It's that they don't believe they can depend on him. That he won't protect us. So we better make sure that we can defend ourselves and that we have enough to go without for a while. That he will not speak up for us. So we better make sure that important and respectable people in society speak well of our religion. That he won't even be clear to us what his will for us is. So we better fill in everything we don't know with what makes sense at the time because we have looked around and we have found plenty to murder hope. We have gone without for just a little bit too long and we have waited for him to avenge us, to smite everyone who would belittle us and, you know, him too, and, and to even just show up and say, hey, I'm real, would you please stop making fun of them? I would even settle for a God who would just show up and give us a clear path forward once in a while. And we looked and we looked and we did not find God. And Elijah relates. He's hiding on a mountain today looking for God because he just can't for the life of him find much left to hope in. 
He is afraid that there are no other believers. He is afraid that they are going to murder him in the streets. He is afraid that he has nothing left. And that little corner of his heart that would hope in God is very much in danger. So he goes up on the mountain and he goes out to look for God. And God said, go out and stand in the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore at the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And that is where God was. See, the reason that so many people have given up on hope in God is that we look for him in all of the places that he isn't and that he's never promised to be. It is a trick of the devil, I'm convinced because it grinds down hope. And that only comes from him. See, even fallen, sinful man loves to put hope in all the wrong places. We love to hope in idols. We are so geared to hope that we will put it in just about anything, but to kill hope altogether, that is only from one dark, awful place. And so Satan would point us to all of the places where God isn't and never promised to be and ask us, why isn't he there? And honestly, he makes a lot more sense than I want to admit. Because that small whispering word doesn't seem particularly impressive. And it doesn't make me happy when it's so busy calling me a sinner in the first place. And that small whispering word won't even stop other people from sinning against me. These are the places where I want him to be. The places that would make me feel safe and powerful and fulfilled and happy. These are the places where I go looking for God. In the low whispering word, I find not a lot of appeal. But God is not in the places that we would look for him. He is not in the power of the government's protection. He is not in hearing personal testimonies that your religion isn't garbage from celebrities. God is not in the size of your harvest or your savings account. He is not in the cookouts on those perfect days at the lake where it is not too warm and the wind blows just enough and the whole family actually manages to make it in and nobody even fights. God is not in any of the places where we would want him to be, not in the power of the earthquake or the vengeance of the fire. And if that is the God that you insist on looking for, then I understand why what we do here is so hard to swallow. I understand just how ridiculous this whole thing has to be. Please, by all means, come once a week, confess your sins, and hear absolution. Let's all play a game called let's publicly talk about all of the things that I am ashamed to admit, all of the things that I feel guilty for. Let's just actually lay them waste instead of hiding them and burying them like I'm so good at. And then after I actually tell you so you know about them, you'll tell me that we get to pretend that they don't exist now because God forgives them. Please, Come, eat and drink the nastiest tasting cracker you can find along with some cheap wine, and we will call it the body and blood of God, made flesh that will forgive your sins and grant you strength and tie you to angels and archangels and all the company of heaven itself. Even though you look left and you look right and all you see are the same sinners that you walked in with. Please, splash around in some water when you were a baby while some guy mutters a few words and a name, and then everything's just okay. Yeah, let's, let's all trust the invisible guy who, if he's there and all-powerful, still lets us get into the masses that we get into. And why? Because your parents believe this stuff? You were raised here? Married into it? What? This is hard enough on a good day if you insist on looking for God in all the wrong places. Let alone when you're sick and scared 
and hope is being ground down by sin and death and the power of the devil. And every last bit of it is because we insist on looking to anything but that small whispering word. But it is that small whispering word that actually speaks peace to sinners, that actually gives hope where there rightly should be none. And it still speaks. And it says the very same thing that it's been saying all along. What are you guys doing here? Why are you hiding? Why are you so afraid? You are not near as alone as you seem to think. And God will not and has not and cannot abandon you. He can even save you without all those things that you are so convinced that you need in the first place. He even did it by setting them aside himself. It was your God who took on human flesh, human need, human want, even human sin. It was God who laid aside all of the things that we are so convinced we must have to succeed. And he came into this world to bear sin instead. It was our God who clothed himself in human flesh and human sin, and we named him Jesus, and he was nailed to a cross for the forgiveness of all who believe, for the, the God who would be crucified for you to take away every last thing that is wrong in this world, to conquer every last enemy you are convinced is overwhelming you. Your God came into this world, setting aside all of the things that we are so convinced we need that he might bleed and die for you. And here, here we finally find the victory. This is the sacrifice of the low whispering word muttering from the cross it is finished and that that is what actually endures you see God would not just be near you God would be for you God would not just be in the places that you want to look for him but in the places that actually save there were earthquakes that day that Christ was crucified there was fire by trials at night but the earth stopped shaking, but the word still endures. It is finished. Long after the earth stopped shaking, it is finished because Christ rose. This victory that he won for you and for me and for all upon that cross, it conquered even death itself. Christ burst from the tomb, free from the sting of death, free from the bondage of sin, and he has promised to unite us with him in the waters of baptism. He has promised to drag us through this world, kicking and screaming if need be, because his will is to save sinners. His will is what was expressed in a low and whispering word. And this, this is our peace that can endure what should not be able to. Ours is a God who works life through death. It is written across all of creation. We act shocked by it. Stuff had to die for you to eat breakfast, but you are so confused that God would work through death and then resurrection. This is how he saves, as he has promised to all along, that we might actually look up here and find the God who insists on being near him when we actually need him to find him on a cross all along, to find him in sacrament so that he wouldn't be so hard to find as we think he is. Our God insists on not only being near you, not only being for you, but being where you can see him, being where you can touch him, being where you can eat and drink his body and blood for actual forgiveness because he loves you too much to only be here on your best days. Because here's the thing, if you only want God in the fire and the earthquake, if you only want God in the good days, the times that you think you need him the most, he will feel the farthest away. But if he shows up here for sinners week after week, not dependent on how you feel, not even dependent on how things are going around you, but here because he promised he would be, in a low whispering word, said, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. This unites you to the kingdom of God. This forgives all your sins. This washes you clean and holy. This makes you live. That we can get down with. All in the small whispering word. 
It still speaks peace. It still speaks forgiveness. It absolves. It is a hope that endures where everything else is stamped out. And it is a hope that has been passed down ever since. Elijah calls Elisha to come and speak too. Let go of family and land and all possessions. And it's not a dare to go without. It's a promise that's not dependent on all these things. God has promised to care and above all else to save. And he doesn't need stuff to do it. He died and he rose for you. To this day, the church stands to repeat these words. Not because the world needs another institution to support, but because of all of the times that we have buried the last bit of hope that we had in something else in this world. Because we actually need something to believe that actually saves, something that wipes away tears, that drags us through the grave itself when everything else is given away, that lets us hope in something that even death itself cannot destroy, lets us hope in something that we can see endures, that lets us hope in a Christ who has already conquered death and has promised us the same victory. This is what we cling to, that small whispering word that still speaks peace for you, that hope would live, that hope would even thrive. So be at peace. A small whispering word speaks life to you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.